0: This is NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Kia Miakonatis. Great things can spring from the ashes of perceived failure. Just ask author Donal Ryan. He's one of Ireland's most celebrated modern writers and recently spent over two years pinning an epic novel that spanned a man's lifetime and what Ryan described as a hellscape. He felt it was the greatest thing he'd ever written. His publisher, after reading the draft, disagreed. Ryan was left with a choice, rewrite or start something new. Luckily for us, the inspiration poured in, and in just 12 short weeks, he had the draft of a new novel about an Irish family filled with passionate women navigating love and loss through the generations. His novel is called The Queen of Dirt Island. Ryan chats here with NPR's Mary Louise Kelly about the women in his life who inspired this book.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com.
2: Donal Ryan's novel, The Queen of Dirt Island, is a love story. Now, I do not mean in the traditional romantic sense. Rather, it's about the love that four generations of women in the Aylward family feel for one another. Beginning in 1982, the novel chronicles the lives of these four women in County Tipperary, Ireland, Mary, Eileen, Sirsha, and Pearl. We glimpse their struggles, their knock-the-walls-down fights, both with outsiders and amongst themselves. We glimpse their commitment to one another. Well, Donald Ryan joins me now from Limerick, Ireland. Welcome to All Things Considered.
3: Thank you, Mary Louise. It's such a pleasure to be here.
2: I want you to begin where the book begins, uh, with the birth of Sersha, who becomes the narrator. Who is she? And just give us a glimpse of how she comes to be the fulcrum around which this family pivots.
3: Sure. Uh, Saoirse is the daughter of Eileen Ilbert, who is pretty much the titular queen of Dirt Island, um, who's based loosely, but quite faithfully in a way, on my own mother. Um, oh, really? And huh. Yeah. and It worked out um, to be a novel that centres women, but not quite by design. I didn't explicitly planned this. I didn't say to myself, okay, you know, the men here will be, be peripheral and attendant and the women will take center stage. But it just kind of happened. It sounds a bit silly, but it it was almost a magical process because I wrote the novel very quickly and serious voice and what Serious witnesses was all very clear to me and came very easily. Um, it was probably the easiest book I've written in my shortish career.
2: Huh. And when you say, yes, this is a novel that centers women, but I didn't start out Planning that it just magically came to be. To give me, a, give me a little more <laughs> detail.
3: When you say it, it, just sounds it sounds crazy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Is it just women are at the center of, of everything, or or how did this how did this come about?
3: Well, I guess so. That's the way it's always seemed to me from a young age. Um, because in the seventies and eighties in, in rural Ireland, in most houses, the dads went to work, and most. Houses I knew of, mum stayed at home. Now, my own mum worked in a betting office um, part-time when I was a child, but for the most part, um, I was among women because I had a sister and a mother and a grandmother who often stayed with us, and it seemed that all of the neighbourhood women would congregate in my mum's kitchen during the day. So it's the way it felt, and, you know, I I really drew on the humour and spirit and strength of those women when I was writing this book. Eileen strode through my imagination and kind of gave the orders and told me what to do.
2: You also imagine all kinds of horrible things happening to your characters, starting with the death of the man who is the husband of one and the son of one and and the father of of the third of your main female characters. Mm. Um, And I'm curious what that was like, imagining taking, it sounds like a place inspired by this very safe, central place in your own life, and then imagining, well, what if everything had spun in all kinds of different directions?
3: Exactly. I mean, I made a pact with myself years ago when I started to write seriously. I decided I was going to try to narrow the distance between the reader and what they were reading as much as possible. I was going to try to draw on the best and worst parts and all of the variegations in between of life. And so I wasn't going to shy away from the darkness, from the the, the awful things that befall people, because life is so fragile. I thought, you know, I'm going to try to have something in here that's, that's that bends towards that lovely, kind of dark, scathing Irish humour on, on, in every chapter, if possible. And I think it comes through mostly, I think, from Nana, to be honest. She, she's kind of a the grandma. raucous mm-hmm. character. Yeah, I love her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she, she seems like she might have been the most fun to write.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, I, I do love the character of Nana. And, you know, for me, she encompasses the whole book. Um, and when I think of the book, I think, Pretty much of Nana's face and her voice and what she's saying. She became so real while I wrote. And I wrote um, an article recently that was published on LitHub and I talked about how it seemed as though there was a ghostly, disembodied voice whispering inspiration in my ear for the whole 12 weeks of the writing of the first draft. And I think that voice was Nana's um, for sure.
2: 12 weeks. Um and this book is the version I'm looking at is pushing 250 pages. That's an extraordinarily fast writing pace.
3: Yeah, I was kind of in a panic. Um no, I didn't. I wasn't panicking during the act of writing, but I had spent the previous 2 years I'd spent all of my writing time composing a much longer and much darker novel that spanned a man's lifetime. And I described it as a a hellscape because he is coming to terms with some awful acts he's committed. And so it's a series of confessions. But I was genuinely convinced during the writing of it that this was the best thing I'd ever written. But I was very gently and kindly disabused of that notion by my publisher and editor when I sent the manuscript in. (laughs) Um, But they did say that they would publish it, but it would have to be radically changed. And I hadn't, I genuinely did not have the heart to go near that book again. And I thought, you know, I could write another book. And I sat at my desk thinking, but I don't have an idea. I've got nothing. All I've got is the residue <laughs> and the, the dim, dark echo of this long novel.
2: Yeah. And
3: literally, it felt as though I looked up through the skylight and it felt as though a voice came from heaven and said, what about a house full of women?
2: Wow. You also, if I can just touch briefly on the structure of the book... It's very short chapters. I don't think there's a single chapter that's more than two, two pages. They're all like a page and a half. One-word titles to each of the chapters. I'm curious why you wrote it that way. It felt to me almost like you were giving me um, a family photo album. You weren't going to tell me what happened every single day, every single minute, but you would give me these snapshots, and, and each chapter felt just like a poof, there goes the flash. Here's what you see now. And it allowed me to fill in what might be happening in between. Was that intentional?
3: Oh, that's a lovely way of putting it, Mary Louise. Thank you. And it was. I mean, the main reason for the f- uh, each chapter is actually exactly five hundred words, um, no more, no less.
2: Literally, each chapter is exactly five hundred words.
3: Yeah, huh? yeah. Um, and I, I it, 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 I know it sounds arbitrary, but it started to make sense because the first few vignettes I wrote worked out at around five hundred, and I thought just for tidiness here, I'll clip these back to exactly five hundred, so I can keep a very, very close eye on the construction of it. I can keep, you know, I, I can use a very, if I used a very strict modular approach, I thought I'll, I won't veer off track. I won't digress too much um, and I can keep a real control on the pacing of it. And it really worked. Um, but I, really, I thought as well, um, it's natural. This is a natural thing because every day is one revolution of the earth. Um, is the exact same length. And some days are just ordinary days where you go to work and not much happens and it's a nice pleasant day. And other days are the day that one of your parents dies, or you lose somebody you love, or you get married, or you, know, or you meet the love of your life, or your child is born. Some days are huge, and some days seem tiny, but every day is the exact same length. And so to have these vignettes that sometimes contain a lot of action, and sometimes contain just somebody thinking something, it seemed natural and right.
2: I love that. And I can't let you go without asking what happened to the giant, dark, hellscape novel.
3: It's still here on my hard drive. Um, actually, I printed out a copy from my mom not too long ago, and she actually really likes it. I think she prefers it to The Queen of Dirt Island, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Donald Ryan, thank you for coming and sharing this novel, which I'm so glad you wrote and put out in the world. And thanks for coming and talking to us about it.
3: My pleasure. Thank you so much, Mary Louise.
2: His new novel is The Queen of Dirt
1: Island. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Grammarly, the secure AI writing partner that understands your business. With Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly, easier said, done.
0: On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago?
1: Dressing, like not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never <laughs> stop. Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR.